0: Thanks for having me here today. Uh, sometimes you're you're forced to be among others. And, and sometimes you are required to be among others. And sometimes it's your duty to be among others. But best of all, it's a great delight when you want to be around others. And it's always a great privilege to be with you, our brothers and sisters, with whom we have more than a collegial relationship. My wife Mary and I always look forward to being on greener pastures on this side of town. And we do thank you. Our text is taken from the 10th chapter of John's Gospel. The first 11 verses of the 10th chapter of St. John. Do you all stand for the reading of God's Word? Now this is God's Word from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but clangs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is God's word and all God's people affirmed it by saying, oh, Lord, we look to you now. We thank you for your word. We pray that you will be pleased. And that you will see to it that your spirit brings out its fullest meaning to our minds and hearts. We ask that you open up the understanding of your word, for without you we can do nothing. And so we look to you now in active dependence on your Holy Spirit, and we ask, O Lord, that you will garner our, our attention, that you will rebuke. A spirit of complacency and that you will garner all our thoughts that you will dispel all distractions and you will cause us to focus on your word and do it we would ask to the praise of your glory for the sake of your name Through Christ and by His Spirit. Amen. Would you be seated, please? Today I would ask that you reason with me from this simple topic the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. Contrary to the misleading claims of liberal theologians and contrary to the confused voices of naysayers, the Gospel of John is deeply rooted in Old Testament theology. It was not as some advance in their wisdom that it concerns or it bespeaks the particular concerns of a particular community around the time of John. No, the Gospel of John is rooted in Jewish milieu look at the way it starts it starts with in the beginning was the word and that goes all the way back to the beginning of our canon Genesis 1 verse 1 it is rooted in Old Testament theology and it is rooted in the Jewish milieu it's not only because of its similarity or its linguistic similarity with Genesis 1 but also we see it in certain themes and topics that abound, and one of which is the motif of the shepherd, or the good shepherd, which we find throughout the Old Testament, in which we'll open up and expand in a few minutes. But it's also listed in and verified by that connection. And we know that Jesus made seven I Am statements. The I Am statements of our Lord Jesus Christ Begin in John chapter 6 with I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, I am the door, the good shepherd. 11, I am the resurrection and the life. 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally in 15, I am the vine, the true vine, the authentic vine. When Jesus made those remarks, when he made those claims, He uses the language, the I am language of Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. And there we see the Lord God, Yahweh, identifying himself, revealing himself to Pharaoh through Moses. You tell the Pharaoh that I am sent you. I am indicates in the form of a name. Well, I am, and anyway, when used by God or of God, indicates one who is self existent. He's self existent. He has total independence of his creation. He never had a beginning and he never will have an end. He is totally independent of the creature. He has life in himself and therefore. He necessarily exists. In other words, if there were no God, there would be no you. There would be no nothing. But when Jesus made those remarks, what he's doing here is claiming to himself the very attributes that were predicated upon God in the Old Covenant. In other words, he is saying, I am God. Whatever attributes and characteristics you can think of when you speak of the God of the Old Testament, I represent him fully, totally, completely in all of divine majesty and splendor in human form. That's what he was saying. And so this this book, therefore, is rooted in the Old Testament. It's not something that John thought about. And brought about in order to identify or to to allay the concerns of his immediate community. This book has universal scope. When we see Jesus, therefore, as the good shepherd, here is what we want to know. We want to see him and understand him as the cosmic God. Not simply as the Jewish God, but as the cosmic God. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all nations. Let's look at the text again and we can find that there are two, two lessons we want to draw from this. Two lessons we want to draw concerning the good shepherd. And Firstly, in verses 1 through 6, we see the first, the first lesson. Of the good shepherd. His voice is correctly identified. By his sheep. His voice. Is correctly identified. By his sheep. In the first six verses. How is it identified. Correctly by his sheep. Well verses 1 and 2 tell us. In contrast. With the renegades. Jesus begins verse 1. Saying truly truly amen amen. It is a strong Solemn asseveration. It's a deeply emphatic statement that points to, that signals, that summons us to understand that what he is saying is extremely true. It's not everything that, not that he has ever said anything that was not true. But this one, but this statement means we, if you've been sleeping in church, we need to wake up now. (laughs) That's what it means. I, I, I say to you, he who does not enter, but the sheepfold. By the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. His voice is correctly identified by his sheep in contrast with the renegades. He's saying here in verse 1 that there's one legitimate way or method of entering into the sheepfold. The sheepfold was an open air enclosure. And it did have a door on it. Sometimes they didn't, but in this case it does have a door. And usually the doors were very strong. They were very solid. And he was saying here that there is a legitimate way of entering into the sheepfold. And it is by that door. There is only one way of entry. But if you don't do that, you come in by another way, a counterfeit way, Then you are a thief and a robber. A thief, we understand that. But the word robber means more than just somebody who steals. It's somebody who steals and and deceives and deprives us of our property in a very violent way. The word is used in John chapter 18 verse 40 to speak of the man between... One of the men between whom Jesus Christ was crucified. And there it is described... As a robber, in some places it can be. It can mean an insurrectionist, a revolutionary, a rebel, a renegade. It goes on to say in verse two that he, in, in contrast, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Why is this so important? Because John chapter 10 continues the discussion from John chapter 9. John chapter 9, in John chapter 9 we find Jesus healing the man that was born blind. He was born blind, Jesus healed him, he went and showed the benefits of Jesus' miracle to the uh... church leaders to the religious leaders and he was excommunicated chapter nine ends with these words in 40 and 41 some of the pharisees near him heard him near him heard these things and said to him are we also blind and jesus said to them if you were blind you would have no guilt but now that you say we see your guilt remains now, that same language, that same meaning, is found in John chapter 10, verse 21. These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the sight of the, the eyes of the blind? In other words, John chapter 9, verses 40 and 41, and John chapter 10... Verse 21, form an inclusio. An inclusio is a literary device that is used as frames, as bookends. And the the bookend A says the same thing as bookend B. And so we are to understand that everything that comes between these two frames of reference pertains to them. In John chapter 9, Jesus indicts the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and so on, for their blindness. And so in chapter 10, he continues this discourse. He continues to denounce them very, very strenuously because they think, because of their much learning, they can see. But the fact is, they're blind. They're blind because they cannot understand. They're blind because they cannot recognize. They're blind because they cannot hear and identify the voice of the one speaking to them as the very voice of Messiah himself. And so they are blind. These are the blind ones, Jesus is saying to us, who Do not enter the sheepfold the legitimate way, the correct way, the established way, the proper way. No, because they want to maim the sheep. They want to mislead the sheep. And so they jump over the fence in order to steal the sheep. That's what he's saying. Oh, and they knew exactly to whom he was referring. They knew that he was speaking of and about and even against them. So we see that his voice is clearly or is correctly identified by his sheep in contrast with the renegades. Who are the renegades? The scribes, the Pharisees, and the religious leaders who are misleading the disciples, by rejecting Christ and his claim to be the one sent from the bosom of God the Father. And secondly, we see his voice is correctly identified by his sheep in verses 3 through 5 in the context of a relationship, in the context of a relationship. Now to him, the gatekeeper opens to whom? To the one who is the shepherd. The gatekeeper was one who was hired to watch the sheep by staying, keeping guard at the door throughout the night. And many times, the sheepfold would have the sheep of more than one shepherd. They would bring them there and deposit them there, entrusting the gatekeeper with their flock. When the gatekeeper sees the shepherd coming, Jesus says, his sheep hear his voice and he calls them by their name. It's just like we have animals and we name them names. Well, the sheep had names, Bambi and whatever, I don't know. But when he calls them, he would, they would answer him and he would lead them up. What we're seeing here is an intimate relationship. The study show that if shepherd Joseph came and called one of the sheep that belonged to shepherd Jacob, he called them by his right name, they wouldn't answer. Because they identify with the particular voice Of their own shepherd. And so we find that this here is a relationship. We we identify Christ. And we identify Christ's voice only. Only in a saving relationship with him. We can hear Christ speaking and understand what he is saying. Only if we have a covenant relationship with him. If he saved us. And saved our wretched, wicked, wayward souls and brought us in from the streets unto himself and transformed us from a goat to a sheep. That's when we can hear his voice and understand his voice and recognize his voice and respond to his voice. Look at verse 4. Now he's going to bring them out, all of them, and he would lead them and the sheep will follow For they know his voice. Isn't this a picture of biblical Christianity? Isn't this a picture of discipleship? Aren't we disciples of Christ who walk with him as he leads us along the way, the righteous way, and not the way of our own understanding? Yes, look at yourselves. You heard the voice of God calling you effectually when the gospel message was, pre, was, was declared to you, was proclaimed not only to your ears but also to your hearts and your minds and your souls. And this God of the Bible who foreknew you in eternity past and who predestined you unto salvation in eternity past in the continuum of time and space and history, effectually calls you unto himself by the voice of Christ in the gospel message as it is proclaimed to you. And you responded with the faith that he gives you. And you looked up to the Christ that you were rejecting in the past, to the Christ that you were rebelling against in the past, in the past the, the Christ that you were being disobedient to, and you said, Yes, Lord, save my wretched soul. And so what happens then? He gathers his sheep, he seeks the sheep, he finds the sheep, he feeds the sheep, and he folds the sheep at East Point Church. And all of you now here who have eternal life have been saved by answering the voice, the clearly identified the clearly identifiable the correctly identified voice of Jesus Christ and so he goes before them and once you have come to Christ as a living stone you keep on coming to Christ you just don't come and stop your whole life is now pressing on in Christ he is leading you and you are following him and verse five says, yes, in the context of a relationship, on the contrary, a stranger they will not follow. A, a stranger will not follow. They will not follow. Why would they not follow a stranger because they don't know his voice? They have no relationship with him. He leads and they follow. He leads them to green pastures. He leads them beside still waters. He leads them and feeds them and folds them because he's preparing them to be more and more like him and to live with him forever and ever in heaven. And so he leads. He's not a cowboy who goes rounding up with a lasso. He doesn't have a shotgun in one hand and a lasso in the other hand. No, 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 no. He is the shepherd, and the good shepherd leads the sheep. Several years ago, on a trip to the Middle East, this group were being prepped for their their trip to Palestine. And and the guide there told them, before we get into the Palestinian countryside, this is what I want you to see. I, I want you to see that there is going to be the shepherd and the sheep. That is a very endemic characteristic of this part of the world. And I want you to take note, because the shepherd is always leading his sheep. He's faithful, and he leads. And they also respond in faith, and they follow. When they got into the countryside now, something different appeared. He saw a group of sheep, a flock of sheep, but they were being chased by a person. And so irate now and very disturbed about this, the guide went and rebuked the so-called shepherd. And he said, I've just told these people that when they come here, they'll see the shepherd leading the sheep. Why are you chasing them? And the man said, oh, I'm not the shepherd. You see, I'm the butcher. (laughs) The shepherd leads the sheep to pastures to find life. But the false prophets chase the sheep. The false prophets bribe and chase and harass the sheep. Oh, they don't cry, vote for me and I'll set you free no more. (laughs) Plant your seed and I'll heed your greed. That's what they say. Oh, I can hear one of them saying now, my heart is not set until I get my jet. Bring your offerings, bring your tithe, so I can fly to friendly skies. False shepherd, fleecing the sheep, misleading the sheep, stealing from the sheep in order to fatten Their pockets. So we find that this now. Is in contrast. In in the context of a relationship. And then in six. We find in the first part of this message. This. This figure of speech. Jesus used with them. But they did not understand. What he was saying to them. What do we make of that? Who's the issue is, to whom does them refer? Well, to make a long story short, it refers to the Pharisees of chapter 9. They did not understand what he was saying because they were blind. And they could not grasp the essence of his teaching That the good shepherd, or the shepherd right now, or the door, which he is, all of those pictures, those metaphors refer to him. And that he, in his person and work, was fulfilling all the pictures concerning, or the pictures and metaphors and symbols. And even the institutions found in the Old Testament, they couldn't understand it. Now, these were teachers of the law. If you want the law interpreted, you you go to the Pharisees. But this is what they didn't understand. That Christ was pointing to himself as the shepherd. And surely they should have at least understood that he was being bold enough to call himself God. Because, you see, the picture of the shepherd, yes, it is used of David, 1 Samuel 16 and so on, when he was minding the sheep, when the prophet went to look for him in order to anoint him and so on, he was minding the sheep and he was the youngest of, of Jesse's sons. Yet, they understood that God ultimately is the shepherd of the sheep. This very David wrote that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Psalm 77 and verse 20, we, saw, we read there that Moses, that God through Moses led the people out from the Exodus into the promised land. We see also throughout the Old Testament that God is the shepherd of his people and in particular, When we go to places like Ezekiel 34, here is what we find. Well, it's in the first 14 verses. I'll read a few verses of uh, Ezekiel 34 so you can get a feel for the picture. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. That's against the false preachers and teachers. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherd. Thus says the Lord God, O shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? They were fleecing the sheep, stealing from the sheep, promising the sheep all kinds of promises that they could not keep and fulfill. You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Sounds just like Atlanta in the 21st century. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Therefore, verse 7, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop. To their feeding the sheep. No longer will the shepherds, shall the shepherds shepherd, no longer shall the shepherds feed themselves, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock. When he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountain of Israel. Verse 14 I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. At least the Pharisees should remember that verse. But they did not. Why? Because they were blind and so we see here that they couldn't understand what Jesus was saying it seemed like or it was a figure of speech not a parable something resembling a parable it's a statement that whose meaning is veiled but at the same time it contains lofty truths which have to be explained later and so here is the proclamation of a mystery they couldn't understand christ's self-identification that awaited his future explanation they did not understand what he was saying to them Teachers of the law could not understand and identify Christ. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. And certainly, as good teachers, they should have grasped this. This man is calling himself God. He's calling himself the door. He's calling himself the shepherd. He's calling himself The watchman, the gatekeeper later on and so on. Who is this man? His voice was not recognized by them. But his voice was correctly identified by his sheep. What we also understand lastly is this. As faithful sheep of the shepherd jesus christ we cannot be complacent or careless lord forbid even callous in our walk we are to spend time with him and listen to his voice as he the majesty of christ is proclaimed from the pulpit the pulpit at east point church and learn to identify his voice from the wide cacophony of voices out in the world and even from within the so-called church so that you will not misunderstand when Christ is speaking or what he is saying to you. Listen to his voice. and Whatever he's saying, you do. Like this preacher one time, he was a guest preacher, oops, and he went to this church and he preached a sermon, he thought he did well, and he was in the line greeting folks at the end, How you good to be here, thank you. Sir. And one man came up to him, a very rambunctious, cantankerous fellow, your sermon was too long, you, your voice was too loud at times, you dropped your voice too low at other times, your sermon had no unity, no... Coherence, I didn't even understand what you were saying. What's the big idea? I didn't grasp it. So he was very disconsolate now. And he saw a sweet little old lady in the corner. And she goes up to him, to the lady. He goes to the lady and says, um, Tell me, who is that man right there? Um, he said some things that were pretty frightening. And the lady said, uh, Don't worry about him. What are the voices the people are saying? He says the same thing. Y'all didn't get it. Y'all didn't get it. Thank you. There's a delayed reaction. Sometimes we don't listen to voices. So here's the first part. The good shepherd, the first lesson, his voice is correctly identified by his sheep. And then in verses 7 through 11, we see the second lesson. Concerning the good shepherd, his validity, his validity is clearly intensified to his sheep. His validity is clearly intensified to his sheep. Why do I say that? Because in verses 7 through 11, he's going to expand on what he just said. They didn't get it, but now he's going to intensify it. But they're still not going to get it, and only his sheep will understand what he's saying. So in verses 7 through 8, we see a rigorous reminder. So Jesus again said to them, he's reminding them rigorously, truly, truly, I mean, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's going to repeat this and expand on it in verse 9. And all who came from before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them i am the door you can enter into the sheepfold only through me if you want to find green pastures you want to find the life that sustains you you want to find the life that satisfies you the life that strengthens you you have to come through me why i am the door goes on to say all who came before me are thieves and robbers what does he mean here all the prophets i don't think so all all those that were sent by god no john the baptist the last of the old testament prophets Jesus was the greatest in the old covenant so he couldn't mean all the prophets i think he's again referring to the pharisees those that have come before him Trying to undo what he is saying, what he is teaching, who are trying to mislead the people concerning his identity and his work. Now, all of them that came before me that are saying that you are not Messiah because you're teaching against Moses, those are the ones that he's speaking to. And guess what? They're still in the crowd. So, this statement that says that they're before me. Means, yes, they came immediately before me and they're still trying to subvert my gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. So they're near me in terms of proximity. But they are also near us in terms of their notoriety. These are cruel and insidious persons. And then in verses 9 and 10, we see not only the rigorous reminder, but also there we find the reassuring reaffirmation, the reassuring affirmation. I am the door, he repeats from verse 7, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture goes back to places in the old covenant like the book of deuteronomy where we see that the messiah would lead his people in and he would lead his people out particularly it has reference to the exodus event god himself leading his people out of egyptian captivity and into the promised land through the successor of moses a man called Joshua and so in the context of Deuteronomy it is a Semitic phrase that resonates that resonates with a covenant understanding we are in a covenant relationship with God through Christ by virtue of us being born again and we now belong to him we are his sheep he is our shepherd And here is this great assurance that he gives us. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He is exclusive as the shepherd. And so there is only one exclusive way to enter the sheepfold. It is by Christ and by Christ alone that we are saved. There is no other name under heaven given among men except that name Jesus Christ by which you can and shall and must be saved. And so he's saying, do you see the exclusivity that he's claiming to himself? In spite of the postmodern teaching and in spite of the popular teaching where everybody just wants to come together and have a good time. And, you know, you can have your truth and this is the way I see Jesus. No, he doesn't say that. That's not what he means. That's your interpretation. I don't see it that. Oh, Jesus, shut up. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So this verse here, verse 9, he, it, it anticipates John fourteen six, which I just quoted. If any man enters, if anyone enters by me, this is the assurance that he will have. He will be saved. And not only is he going to be saved, but he is going to have a free ingress and free egress. He can come in and he can go out. He's in and out To graze upon the pastures that I give him. The blessings of the gospel message, in other words. In, in, In contrast, he goes on to say there that the thief comes to steal. Well, only to steal and to kill and to destroy. What do false preachers give? death well you know yeah but there's it's nothing wrong with health and wealth and prosperity you know he still teaches Jesus and salvation alone but let me ask you this are you satisfied with that if I make you an omelet and I put four rotten eggs in it would you accept it it's still an omelet the cheese is good the butter is good the- the salt is there's nothing contaminating the pepper. And look at the pepper and the onions. Would you accept it? How about two rotten eggs? Would you accept it? How about one? No. Why would you settle, therefore, for a polluted, corrupted gospel? Why? I have come that you might have life. How? More abundantly. A life that is full of richness. A life that is filled with with robustness. Yes, my cup runs over. His life is so abundant that we have to drink from the saucer because the coffee is running over into the, the saucer. Yes, it's abundant life. Our salvation is not skimpy and wimpy. Our salvation is rich and plentiful. And robust because we have a masculine robot God, not the sissies you see under the cover of Time magazine. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but on the contrary, because I am Messiah, because I have come from the bosom of the Father, because He sent me to do his works, the works that he taught me, and then to say the words that he taught me. I didn't come on my own agenda. I came to do only the things that the Father required of me to gain salvation for your soul. And therefore, your life is abundant. This is the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ reminding us today, brothers and sisters, that his salvation is Abundant, doesn't run dry. It is not affected by the vagaries of the stock exchange. It is unaffected by inflation. This is abundant life because it comes from the abundant, immutable God himself, Jesus Christ. Yes, his validity is definitely Clarified, His validity is clarified to these uh, followers, to the sheep. And now he comes to verse 11. And what he's been saying before, it now comes to a crashing crescendo. It's not a conclusion that leads to a dead end in a cul-de-sac. No, it reaches forward and upward, louder than Alan plays on the piano. And it resonates. <laughs> It resonates with the resounding revelation. It resonates with the resounding revelation. What is the Lord saying? What is our Lord saying? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you see this? It's all building up now, and here is the crescendo. Let me tell you what I've been trying to say. All of this comes to its apex. It comes to its climax in a Christological revelation. I am the good shepherd. That's what he says. And let me tell you about this good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. It's a sacrificial revelation. He lays down his life. It's a substitutionary revelation for the sheep. It is a superlative revelation. The good shepherd. Not David, by the way. The prototypical king of Israel. Who fought with beers, bears and hoof Maybe those two. And with lions. <laughs> and, and the Lord rescued him. He, he, yes, but he did not lay down his life. And not Moses, the mediator of the old covenant who led them from from Egyptian captivity against Pharaoh. He was faithful and he stood his ground and let the people out of captivity. But he did not lay down his life. Christ alone laid down his life. That's why it's a superlative revelation. All the pictures in the old covenant, all the metaphors... Of the old covenant. They all terminate. They all climax at a point. Called Jesus Christ. They come together. And he says. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Yes I'm the door. And I am also. the, the, The watchman. And I am also. Superlatively. The great. Good shepherd. Good there does not mean morally good. That's not the word that the Greek uses. The word there emphasizes good in terms of efficiency in execution of his messianic work. Good there in terms of the dedication and the faithfulness that he demonstrates to the Father in the prosecution of his messiahship. That's what good there means. This good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Can you hear his voice now? Is he calling someone to salvation? Is he calling someone to be reconciled to his or her spouse, to brothers or sisters within the church? Is he calling us to full-time ministry? Is he calling and commanding us to forsake specific sins in your lives. Listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus calls us over the tumult. Over the wild and restless sea. Day by day his voice soundeth. Listen Christians. Follow me. You know why? He is.